Hello, everyone. I am not Trent Luth. This is Amanda Radke filling in on this exciting edition of Roll Route. And as Trent would say, Roll Route is the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is discuss the issues between rural and urban America. Joining me today, you know them both way well, Mr. Jay Truitt alongside Andrew Henderson. Welcome, guys. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Excellent. Very well, thank you, Amanda. Oh, what'd you say? I said I can see you're definitely not Trent Loose. I'm I'm well aware of that. Yeah, you know, he's just busy traveling the countryside of Nebraska, campaigning <laughs> alongside Teresa Thibodeau. If you're a Nebraskan citizen, you might want to look that duo up. They'll be running for the primary race of the next governor and lieutenant governor of Nebraska, May 10th. Got that plug in. Yeah, no, exactly right. There's the uh, there's the free pitch that we get. Meanwhile, what it also opens us up to do is from here on out, we have like all the p- potential leverage we can on top of Trent just to like just beat up on him nonstop. Because once you once you run for political office, you're fair game. I um, mean, I'm, yeah. I'm glad we're on the same page, Jay. Yeah. Yeah. As well, if, as if, well, yeah. As if we uh, cut him any slack in the past anyway, right? <laughs> well, I yeah. told him, I said, don't you dare turn into a politician. And he said, <laughs> no. he said I'm not a politician. I'm a citizen no. working to fix the system. So I uh, will keep him on his toes, I think. Us yeah, I, I think so, too. It'll be fun. I'm pretty, I, I wish him I'm the pretty, best. I really do. You can't. You couldn't have a better person in the trenches to support agriculture than Trent, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. and everyone else, and and bringing urban and rural communities together, he he's the real deal. He really, uh, he that's all he's ever believed in, and uh, it's great that um, he's taking that step with Teresa. I'm just really excited to see pictures of him in the Senate floor with his cowboy hat and mustache, and <laughs> yes, right. reminding all those elected officials who they work for. <laughs> you know, you know, it's uh, every. Every once in a while, there's a breath of fresh air that comes into the legislative bodies of America, all over America, right? And I just, I I mean, I go back, for people in the state of Missouri, one of those people that happened uh, decades ago was a gentleman named Bubs Hahulan, who was from down around Barton County, Missouri, and he gets elected and Bubs wore Western suits, right? I mean, that's yeah. just what he did. That was his thing. And in his whole life, he'd never worn a tie. And so he wore like a bolo or something. Well, they kept scolding him about uh, um, the dress code of the of the house and in the state of Missouri. And, and lo and behold, uh, one day he just pulls it all up and reads it verbatim very carefully and what it never mentioned, it said that you had to wear matching uh, suit coat and pants. And it said All that right. your shoes or footwear had to be of a certain nature and that you had to wear a necktie, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It didn't mention that you had to wear a shirt. So he shows up on the floor of the house and the guy looks like a gorilla, <laughs> right? If you can just imagine, like. Like uh, I don't know if anybody saw those pictures of Macron trying to 
to to have those casual picks. You know, the French president literally it looks like he has a rug on his chest, and yeah. Bubs just comes walking down on the floor of the of the House of Representatives of the state of Missouri, and from then on, they just let him wear his sport coat. <laughs> he just wanted to. He, he just wanted to be himself, right? And he taught him a valuable lesson. I think it's one of the reasons that we uh, that we need citizen legislators. Yes, from time I, to time. I think that's just, what the country desperately wants. Is we're so used to electing people that walk and talk like politicians, and they're super slick, and they've got the hair and the suits and the ties and the fancy blazers. Uh, they look the part, but I don't want someone that yeah. looks the part. I want someone that does the job. And I think that's why people liked Trump, because he didn't talk like a politician. He said what needed to be said, even if it was unpopular. And I told Trent that's exactly what he has going on, because if anybody's listened to his show for the last 20 years, he says the quiet (laughs) part out loud. And he doesn't worry about the consequences. You know the story, well, we all know the story of the king's new clothes. And when you look at the the protagonists that are around, the, the... the, the likes of Barack Obama, Mitch Romney. Uh, you look at, at Clinton himself. You look at, uh, in our country, Tony mm-hmm. Blair. These people are the opposite inside of what they're trying to portray themselves on the outside. And I think there's a lesson in all this. You know, we had um, Nigel Farage rewrite or re redesign the whole um, geography of our politics here in the UK and in Europe. And it was nothing to do with what he looked like. It was more to do with what he stood for. And I think that's where it, Trent actually is probably right to stick with his um, his well-known attire because he will then be associated with the truth. And, and that's what yeah. people want to want to see, really. They want to see the truth. Well, and, you know, so honestly, I will uh, – I as one of those people that has swam in the swamp a lot in my life, I will tell you there are, there are a good number of people inside the process that are real people, right? Uh, and there's no doubt about it. Um, and we may be at kind of a, a low time right now for real people, but I've, I've met them in, in almost every country I've ever traveled to. When you meet with politicians, you you find some folks that are the real deal and some that are just not, you know. Um, and some of them, um, and this is not to say that he's not the real deal, but some of them kind of play the part of being the real deal. You know, they want to sound like Senator John Kennedy, um, the new John Kennedy. And so they'll they'll speak with an over-exaggerated accent, et cetera, et cetera, or they'll want to sound like a, a polished professional, and so they'll just speak gobbledygook, which is one of those things, you know, that Kamala Harris has now literally perfected. She can go on for, we know, up to like 30 minutes at a time and say almost nothing ever in a in even a sentence that would be coherently valuable <laughs> And, and I feel bad for them because a lot of those people that are playing that part, when you sit down with them in their office and you really talk to them, they actually have great ideas. They, they get the same issues that we talk about every morning, but there's so much pressure. 
um, and to to actually you know just uh, be like the rest of the system because you got to raise money, you got to do this, you got to do that, and I don't think most people really realize how extreme extreme that pressure can be on a day to day basis. But there are some some just some good, solid, honest to goodness, full out human beings that are involved in the system, some of which I don't agree with politically. But Jay, they're still Jay, really good people, you know. That doesn't mean that anything. Jay, Jay but, I, I, I totally yeah. agree with you, but I, I think that's the problem. And I'm going to give you an example. So if the bad guys can manipulate those people, that's when it becomes very dangerous. And I'll give you an example. Nadine Doris, who's a very, very uh, pro-UK uh, MP, um, uh, Member of Parliament, who looks after her constituents, who's been striving for uh, better better facilities for children, for education, etc. She said something the other day, and it made me realise, you know, you can be the nicest person in the world and the most uh, aggressive when it comes to trying to promote your own uh, area. She said, Boris Johnson did this, and this is shit. She said, Boris Johnson got us out of Europe. That wasn't true, actually, because it was Nigel Farage. He was the mm-hmm. first... We we are we are the government that's vaccinated the most people. We are the number one supporter of Ukraine, and we are we we are we are the country that, apart from Israel, with the same with a much bigger population, we have more people that have been protected by the by the vaccine than any other country. What she was actually saying to me was a list of tyranny, and she doesn't realise that. And there's a right. good person thinking that genuinely. Right. The government has done the right thing when it's becoming very apparent they've done the complete polar opposite. They've backed the wrong team and every single side of this. And that's where it's wrong, you see. You've got a percentage of really good people. I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop you right there for a quick break. I'm Amanda Rad, keep going in for Trent Lewis. We'll be right back. Right out of the shoot today, I want to remind you about the Certified Piedmontese Opportunity. You know, we are in a trying time when it comes to food resources. When you have an opportunity to add more value than capture the value, you've got to do that. It's all about Great Plains cattlemen working to feed not only the region but the world. The production is in a very specific region. It works best for the Great Plains cattlemen to be a part of this system. Use the Piedmontese sires from Lone Creek and then put them back into the Lone Creek Certified Piedmontese overall branded beef program get more details about how you can be a part of it and what the premium structure is and you find those details by going to the website lonecreekcattleco.com hello everyone it's the second segment of roll route i'm amanda radke filling in for trent loose sitting here with jay truitt and andrew henderson andrew you were talking about tyranny before the break and go yeah i I just think part of the problem here is that there's a majority in, in most parliaments that genuinely look up to the people who are uh, in charge of their party or in charge of their government. Leave them to be honest and well-thinking human beings like they are. And that is part of the problem. Because when you look at what's happened with Trudeau in Canada, what's happened here in the UK, what's happened with you, look. The thing I want to know from both of you, and you must have the answer to this, who, and I want to know this from one of you, who was that Easter bunny the other day that interrupted Joe Biden and told him to walk away from the crowd? The one that that was waving and... 
Yeah, that's the one yeah, that's a, shot. So who, who is it? Who is it? She was, uh, she's an assistant press secretary. That was a she? Yeah. yeah. Oh, we know who, lady. you actually know who was in the bunny suit? I hadn't, yeah. I hadn't dug that far. Yeah, no, nah, it's, uh, and she's one of the people actually that have been complaining about her role in the White House for the last, uh, uh, few months that she wasn't getting enough access to the big guy, but, uh, Lo and behold, she got right in front stage. of him that day. Yeah, there you <laughs> well, go. Well, well uh, she interrupted him like you wouldn't believe. It was like, get out oh, of the yeah. way. You've got a minute. Yeah, it was, yeah, anyway, if, yeah if, if folks missed it, it was a Easter event, and Biden was kind of stumbling around by the by the crowd wandering, and this Easter bunny in a full garb suit comes and grabs him by the arms and looks him in the eye and is wear as much as you can in a mask and is waving its furry right. hands just really dramatically and ushering him like a, like a flight attendant on the runway. Yeah. Like, yeah no kidding. Traffic this way. And uh, yeah, it yeah, was but did it, uh, uh, Amanda, did you not see that somebody else had a, ca- a camera phone and they got what he was saying? He was starting to talk about American foreign policy. That's why she put in. Oh, and he I was talking about Afghanistan Iran and Iraq, and he was getting it all wrong, and they were panicking. That's right. what happened anyway. I Interesting. Just tell you. Yeah, I yeah. think he's on a tight leash of what he's allowed to say. Even even reading the children's book with Jill, Jill told him, yeah. you know, just, yeah. just sit, Jill, just sit. <laughs> yeah, I'll handle this. So yeah, be quiet. You have to wonder <laughs> if the president of the United States isn't even competent enough to read a children's book. Uh, what are yeah. we doing? Well, you know, in the mid, in the midst of all this, right? I mean, it's kind of funny. Well, and here we are, we're talking about the Easter bunny thing too. But it, I mean, the reality is, is that like yesterday, Biden took his, I don't know. I, I, I was counting for a while on his wins and losses. And he honestly hasn't really had a win except <laughs> for the, what by his definition, probably closing the the pipeline was uh, uh, was one and then number two would have been uh, being able to implement a mandate um, was number two number three was uh, stopping drilling uh, in most of America uh, that's not privately owned so all the public lands which is a significant chunk of our oil production and lo and behold even out of those three wins that he had, He's had 40 legislative defeats almost in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the courts have overturned two of those three. So the, the mask mandates um, have mm-hmm. uh, effectively been completely overturned with the exception of some federal buildings of which they'd already stopped doing that. Um, and and we and the Supreme Court's going to hear this here within the next, uh, well, they've already heard the argument, so they'll make a decision on it at some point. In probably in the next few weeks, uh, on the overall decision on mandates and uh, the drilling, the drilling issue uh, on public lands, real quietly on Friday when nobody was paying attention, uh, the Biden administration reversed their position uh, on drilling, but they didn't do it willingly. They did it because the court made them, and so yeah. um, I, you know I. It's, I'm not going to say that I feel bad for the guy because I don't. Um, 
but it's really kind of sad. I mean, publicly, uh, uh, the news media is trying to give him every benefit of the doubt. They show up at the Easter egg roll. He's getting more airplay than George Bush, uh, George H.W. Bush, and Donald Trump combined got during that event. I mean, when the media would do that event in the past, they just showed little kids. Uh, If a Republican's in office, they don't even show the president. This time, uh, we actually have have to watch the president stumble out of the White House and meander back and forth like he's missing his walker (laughs) until he gets all the way out. And then he starts, as you said, talking to just random people in the crowd who may... For all you know, they're a New York Times reporter, right? They get invited to the event, right. too. Uh, it's Or it could just be Jim Bob, um, who donated a bunch of money to the campaign at some point. But he starts talking about Pakistan and Afghanistan uh, interactions, <laughs> of which um, his junior senator that he worked with, Mr. Coons out of Delaware, is off talking at the same time doing a press conference on how we ought to be sending uh, U.S. troops to the Ukraine, you know, and then I could just see yeah. how that conversation was going to go, you know. So, um, so, so, Amanda, can I ask a question? Like Jay sure. says, he seems, he seems to get nothing done. But the one thing that doesn't seem to be able to be stopped, maybe, Jamie, Jay, maybe you've got a view on this, is actually this nonsense at the border. He's got rid of Title 42. Um, you're going to have, I believe, an avalanche of people coming in. There are terrorists getting in. How has he got away with that? That's the one I can't understand. He, he seems to be losing everything else. But he is he has really opened your borders to the most unbelievable amount of uh, drug running, cartels, sex slaves, the whole shooting match. And yet nobody's going going after him for that. Well, isn't it wild, though, too, these governors on the border have the power to protect their borders themselves, and yet the floodgates are wide open? And one has to wonder, you know, you could say this, that we're just playing politics, but states are literally at war with each other right now. I mean, you have Texas dropping off immigrants or illegal immigrants in Delaware and in Washington, D.C., You have, uh, was it Los Angeles won't do flights to Florida, is it Florida or Texas, Florida, because of their LGBTQ stance. You have states that are really dividing in a very real and concrete way and kind of punishing each other for their ideologies. This, like, this isn't just politics at norm, as normal to me. This is the union severing in a very distinct way. And I think it's something we should pay close attention to. But yeah, I mean, a nation with no borders is not a nation at all. So it is, it, that, you know, I had someone sit down with me earlier this week and tell me, well, the immigrants do the jobs we don't want to do and we need the labor. Yes, all those things. But I want the people that are well vetted that come through legally and through the process, not the ones that are, you know, leaping over the fence. And, and sadly, what people fail to realize that are, you know, Jesus said we'd welcome our neighbors. What they don't realize is these neighbors that are coming up, many of them that are coming illegal are also trafficking young children and women. Uh, There are rape trees along the trail where they showcase their trophies. And in this case, their trophies are the women's underwear and bras that they're hanging up on the trees. And I have rancher friends that live right on the border that confirm this. And so that's what you support. You may want to reevaluate what you are supporting because it's leading to an extreme 
um, hardship, violence, and terror for these women that are being carted up here um, like they're cattle. Yeah, no, well, I listen. Uh, one of the one of the most eye opening experiences of my life um, in, in inside this country was to go with the rancher, um, and we flew up and down the border. Uh, this is prior to the wall being constructed at all, and actually looked at the border and watched people coming across, and then to sit with that gentleman's wife and explain her explain to me the fear that she lives under 24 hours a day, seven days a week that she stays on their, on their ranch on the New Mexico, Arizona, uh, border. Um, uh, it, it, it's, it, you, I can't describe it because the only way that you could actually fully capture that is to be able to listen to that woman's voice tremble as she talks about hundreds of people walking past her house at night, some beating on the door, et cetera. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to even fully grasp or imagine the horrors. Uh, On that note, on that heavy note, we'll be back after this short break. I'm Amanda Radke, filling in for Trent Luce on Roll Route. Can't tell you how much I appreciate the wit, wisdom, and insight of Amanda Radke. If you'd like to get more about Amanda Radke, or maybe you'd like to help fund her missionary work for Trent, go to AmandaRadke.com. The Radke Report is insightful. Plus, who knows, guys? Maybe you've got a wife with an upcoming birthday anniversary. You need a little swag to bring it all home, huh? AmandaRadke.com. She's got shirts and jewelry. And and books, the children's books itself will win a lot of points. AmandaRadke.com. Check her out online today. And we're back. It's a full takeover of Roll Route. I've got Andrew Henderson and Jay Truitt on the line, and we are talking Biden victories. And uh, (laughs) they're not necessarily victories for the American people, but... uh, uh, you did forget one J, and that was uh, the Supreme Court justice. Um, that's yeah. pretty significant and is going to have a lasting impact on our country. She's uh, very, you know, we just talked about uh, human trafficking and uh, pedophilia, yes. and she's yeah. very lenient on those crimes. And so that is extremely concerning to me. Yeah, I, I would just, listen, I would just add quickly, though, to that point. Remember who she replaced. And the, and the real question is, who changes the vote count at the end of the day? She replaced maybe the most liberal member of the court that was left. And, and, and so she replaced the most liberal member of the court that was left, right? Um, I think um, I disagree with a bunch of her rulings. I do believe she's one of those ladies that was qualified. A bunch of people are going to be upset just because I say that. Uh, but technically, to be qualified, you have to have held a few jobs, a handful of certain jobs, and had a certain kind of experience. She had that next, right? You have to have a law degree uh, and be able to practice as a judge. She was doing that. I didn't like the way she did it, but the truth is she was she was assigned the job and, and drew the paycheck for a few years. Um, the the And it's an interesting thing because... You know, that was the value of Donald Trump at the time that Donald Trump came along was because we replaced the formerly most liberal member of the court with 
a true conservative on the court, and that did change that vote count. And I do think that's part of the reason why Biden wins uh, are as low as they are at this point. Uh, Justice Roberts turned out to be kind of a disappointment, but since then we've had two two members of the court added that that truly are three really that are just true blue conservatives, and I'll take that um, uh, three to one is the way I look at it. Well, and I was reading last night, the judge that overturned the mask mandates on the airplanes was a Trump appointee. Is that correct? Yeah, I I understand it correctly. Yes. She, uh, I heard her speak. That is one articulate woman who understands the constitution and, uh, yeah, yeah, pretty impressive. But I, I want to go back to that mask, the mask mandate on the plane, because I saw so many people cheering, you know, (laughs) ripping the mask up. It was cool to see. But I want to remind people that we act like our government can take away the freedoms that we have. And uh, that was never a law. A mandate is not a law. And we applaud Although, although, Amanda, people were ejected from planes for not wearing them. So the problem there was, the problem was that if you, I suppose if everybody on the plane refused to wear a mask, they would have had a problem. But um, unless there's a group of you that would really cause financial harm to the airline, even though it was only a mandate, people were still made to do it because they couldn't fly if they didn't. You know what I mean? It Yes, you, you are right. And so people that need to get places on a plane, you had very little choice but to comply. And that's the sucky part. It's because it's like, I do know people that vowed never to fly again and would just drive, uh, but it's not, not really feasible for everybody. And so, yeah, it was... Um, I, I know I saw Jen Psaki said that that ruling was extremely disappointing and they're going to be relooking at it, revisiting it and seeing what they can do to get us all masked back up on a plane. But I think the reactions and the joyous, uh, smiling faces, uh, I think it says it all of what most people were thinking when they're on those airplanes being forced it, to wear a mask. Here's the thing. This is, we're at a, at a very important time right now, and it comes back to what you've said about the appointment of that new Supreme Judge. At this moment in time, our government has just quietly introduced a get-out-of-farming scheme with a golden payment to farmers who consider to get out of farming. Luckily for our government, at this moment in time, social media isn't reporting on that. There's a few people that have got it out there, but they're shadow banned. And we all we all know what that means, that Twitter and Facebook are in control of the narrative. Now, I'm, I'm saying this because this is a huge issue. We're going to be short of food. I know we're going to be short of vegetables and meat and milk and dairy within three or four months here in the UK. And yet our government have just introduced a bill to try and stop farmers from farming. So I'm saying to you two guys here, Are you aware of the significance of what's happening right now with Elon Musk? Because I think if he wins, it's going to be huge. Yeah, I think so. Explain the parallel. I agree, but go ahead, Andrew. Oh, I was just going to say, Andrew, I don't don't know if I'm following your parallel between food shortages and Elon Musk. Can you explain? Okay, well, I'll I'll explain it, right. Uh, our our country is being told there's seven percent inflation. It, it, it's it's at least thirty seven percent. I'll tell you that now because I went through every commodity you can buy in the UK and nothing has gone up less than twenty percent. That's the first thing I'm going to tell you. The second thing is that 
when you realize that because of the price of nitrous oxide and, and nitrogen as a fertilizer, we're going to have 40% less vegetables grown here in the UK, you start to see the magnitude of the problem. The problem is with, with people get their information these days, not from CNN, not from the BBC. They actually get it from social media. So social media is the conduit to be able to uh, transfer this message. So, for example, before your election, everybody was told that the, the, the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. In fact, there were people taken off the New York Post and various other uh, platforms were taken off social media because they continued to publish information about what was supposed to be Hunter's laptop being Russian disinformation. So nobody ever went to the polls thinking that the laptop was real and that the paedophilia and the money laundering and everything that was on there was actually real. That's the first thing. So if you take back to what we're talking about with um, Elon Musk, Elon Musk has done something seismic, and I'll explain why it's seismic. Mm -hmm. He's gone to the American people. Do you know how many shares? I, I think it's out of a million shares. Do you know how many shares the board of Twitter actually own? That's the first question I'm going to ask you. Do either of you know that? Because I know the answer to that. 2% is the percentage that Dorsey owns, and he owns more than anyone on the board. Yeah, he's not on the board anymore, though, is he? Right. So it turns out they own 77 shares between <laughs> Right. That's the first thing. The second thing is that they are supposed to recommend to their shareholders, if somebody comes in with a price much bigger than the market price, which means that all the shareholders have a financial gain, as long as he or she who's taking over that business is saying that they're going to continue with free speech. In fact, in Musk's case, he says he's going to reintroduce free speech, which is interesting. Um, he's saying that um, he's going to take that business over when it's got a value of $40 on the market today, and he's going to buy it for $52.80 per share. So they're going to make a windfall. Now, in any other business, if that happened, if it was Jeff Bezos buying the new uh, the Washington Examiner, or it was uh, him buying as Amazon buying like he bought my neighbor's business, nobody would bat an eyelid. But for some reason, when it's somebody from the so-called right decides to want to buy a business, it's all wrong as far as the lefties and liberals are. And they seem to be triggered about the fact that he wants free speech, which is very telling, I would say. Now, the reason it's very telling is obvious, because they can't control the narrative. They can't tell you that Hunter Biden's laptop is Russian disinformation. They can't, if people say the vaccines have got serious issues, which we now know they have, they can't, as they have been, they've been banning people from saying that and taking people down. This guy, if he succeeds, will level a playing field of sorts. And what I want to tell you that to right to end this so that you can all pontificate on this is that when he has he's failed so far because they have said that they're going to introduce what's known as the poison pill, which means they're going to issue more shares for large businesses to buy in order to fend off and have a vote, if you like, to vote down the proposal. The problem is, and he and he's very clever, Elon Musk, is that I'm sure Jay knows what he's done. He's turned around and said, you do that and I'm going to tender. And what he means by that is he will then physically write to each individual owner of shares and make an offer to them much higher than the market value. 
And if he does that and he takes over, all these people on that board will, A, lose their jobs and they'll also lose their income. And I think that's where we are. And I think this is really, really significant because if he succeeds, then social media no longer is the bullhorn to, to spread disinformation. That's where I think we're at. I, I, I tend to agree with all of that. And I would add something else. I'm not for sure what we're like on time from this perspective, but you got two minutes. Well, so just real quickly, I think actually the swamp is, is more afraid of it than, than what uh, anybody realizes. And it is because really the media runs the swamp in the United States. And to this point, um, you can't you can't name a major news story over the last say four or five years that didn't originate being broke on Twitter, not on Facebook, not in the on the front page of the New York Times. It just has not happened, and so mm-hmm. Twitter has become the place that you break news, that you start the discussion. Twitter also became the place that you stopped the discussion and that you could cancel people first. Mm -hmm. Uh, They did it with Trump. They did it with everyone else. The reason Donald Trump probably was president of the United States is because of Twitter. Yeah. And and the thing they could punish him the most on doing was to, was to kick him off of Twitter. And Elon Musk, I don't believe as a conservative, actually, I believe as a libertarian, I share a lot of his views uh, and I tend to be kind of libertarian in nature in reality. And the and the funniest part about all of this is that I think Musk finally just figured out it was the one key place that he could have the most impact, not on controlling the conversation. He had no interest in controlling the conversation. He just wanted to make sure that the conservation, that the conversation, both sides of it, took place. Yeah, and that was the value of America. And that'll do it. We'll be back after this short break from our sponsors. I'm Amanda Radke, filling in for Trent Luce. Dr. Nathan Bryan continues to be the global expert when it comes to nitric oxide. Your nitric oxide level must be at the proper level in your bloodstream in order for you to function properly. I'm talking about mental clarity. I'm talking about your immune function and particularly cardiovascular health. Now, I visited with a cardiovascular surgeon. His first question was, what's the half-life of this in the body once you take a logins? Dr. Nathan Bryant's got the answer for that and everything else that you want to know about why nitric oxide must be supplemented on a daily basis. NO2U.com. NO2U.com is the website with the plethora of information. The ordering aspect right there right now is not available, so send me an email and I'll ship it to you direct. Next week, May 1, May Day, May Day is when we can get back to ordering on the website. NO2U.com. Hello, everybody. It is a full takeover of Roll Route. I'm Amanda Radke sitting with Andrew Henderson and Jay Truitt, and we are discussing uh, the golden child of the moment, Elon Musk. And uh, Jay, I'll let you finish that note, and then I've got I've got to uh, bust some bubbles here this morning on Elon Musk. But you go ahead. Yeah, and so listen. the The first thing the 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 interesting thing is right. So the media love. Musk until they realized that he could control them potentially in the future or have an influence over their control. So uh, 
over the next few weeks, we're going to hear about everything he's ever said that might piss off the right or might piss off the left. <laughs> and yeah. it, it's inevitable they're going to try to assault this guy in every way possible. In the past, we kind of laughed about him smoking a joint while he was doing a, an interview, whatever, right? It uh, doesn't seem to bother anybody that uh, it still doesn't come up that, you know, half the the folks in in uh, decision making trees may may have been doing the same thing at some point. They just didn't have a camera on them or weren't brave enough to do that. My my point is is that listen, I don't have to I don't have to agree with everything that Elon Musk says or does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I and the reason it matters is because he and I agree on one basic principle that we can disagree. Mm-hmm. And that it's okay. And that whichever yeah. one of us is right in the end, and that can persuade the rest of the people that our position is the strongest, yeah. is going to be the winner of the debate. And if you give us, if you give he and I the same platform to do that, then, yeah. and we, and I have actually debated him on issues on his tweets. And he's, he's respectful, but he's adamant, right? And and he still wants you to come back at him. He's not asking you to shut up. He's asking you, uh, listen, you know, defend your position with facts. And so, I uh, again, I don't have to, I don't have to agree with him. I have, and as long as we can agree that it's okay to disagree. Now, so, Jay, you're, on, you're Amanda, a... first up. First the bubble, Amanda. Come on. First the bubble. All right. Well, Jay's smooth because he knows I was going to come locked and loaded with all this stuff. So he he got like <laughs> go. He got the disclaimers out. Like so. No, I, go, go, go. Go. Okay. So some words of caution on Elon Musk, and I could roll through a lot of things that mm-hmm. creep me out about this guy. Um, notably, go look at the mother of his children. Just take a just take a gander at her and some of the things she says, and then come back. But that's not even the concern. Okay, number one, I do want to point out that Elon Musk has done something incredible, which is pointing out who controls Twitter. Who came out and said, like, we're not interested in making a deal with Elon. It was like the king of Saudi Arabia or something. And you're like, wait, Saudi Arabia is He didn't even own own any shares, that guy, but carry on. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. so he's out of his, like, having an opinion, and it's like, holy smokes, yeah. who is influencing the American yeah. uh, discussion? Um, number two, what concerns me about Elon taking over Twitter, and I'm all for it, because what did he say that was most fundamental? It was freedom of speech is protecting the right for someone you don't like to say something you don't like. That's how he phrased yep. it. Uh, yeah. Three exactly. more. So my worst not- enemy in the world should be able to get on any platform and say whatever vile thing they want and be protected unless, you know, they're threatening to kill somebody or whatever. But um, that's what freedom of speech is. And these liberals always have told conservatives, if you don't like being deplatformed, if you don't like what's being said, if you don't like being censored, go build your own, you know, go do your yeah. thing. Well, that becomes an echo chamber. So we need Mm -hmm. a place in the public square where liberals and conservatives and everyone on the spectrum can go and battle it out and discuss ideas and say what needs to be said. So if that's what Elon ends up accomplishing, I'm like, game on. However, he has said on his Twitter that he thinks there should be a checkmark program that you pay for. 
so that anybody could have a blue check mark and be, you know, considered an important voice. Now, where this becomes problematic is I think he's introducing a social credit score. That if you pay a little money, you can get elevated a little bit in the public square. If you pay, if you, if you do the right things, you get to be a part of the club. I don't think there should be blue check marks. I don't think there should be um, a status tier system on social media. It's let the voices be out there and be free. And then let the, let the opinion of public society sift through those comments one way or another. Let's, um, so, so the social credit score really concerns me. Um, the fact that this guy is literally putting chips into people's brains and he has openly said that, uh, artificial intelligence is going to destroy humanity. And then yeah. this is the guy that wants to control the public space for discussion and probably replace us all with robots. Um, that concerns me, but what we have now is absolutely terrible and garbage too. So I'm kind of like, let's let the chips fall where they may. And at the end of the day, if I can say and speak freely and the president of the United States isn't censored off a public platform while the Taliban gets to tweet at will, well, then that should write a lot of wrongs right there. Yeah. Uh, I, you, you, go ahead. Go ahead. Go on, you go ahead, Jack. Go on. No, I, I would say, so listen, and again, I understand all. I understand the things about Elon Musk that that people tend to fear, um, and I, I'm afraid of some of those same things. Right? I don't want to. I don't want to dis like discount or displace those comments because I think they're. I I do think he probably believes those things, you know, in sincerity. Some things I think he says a little bit in jest, but I do think that he believes that robots are going to take over most of the jobs on the planet, right? That's just the way his brain works. And those are the things that he's inventing. I also know that all of us, um, well, Amanda, you're too young for this to have been the thing, but you know, Andrew and I are old enough to remember a time period when we were all going to be robots, you know, by the year 2000 and we were all going to talk in a real mechanical voice anyway. So I, I mean, the, some of that, I think, is just science fiction that that he would like to be reality, you know, kind of like his Cybertruck. But um, listen, the the most important the most important thing that can happen in America today. I listened to the earlier show uh, this morning when Trent and Andrew were talking, and they were talking about education, right, being like the cornerstone of everything that's really important in America. I don't really disagree with that. I would just say this that the that I actually think the the most important phrase I've heard anybody say in a long time is that what we what we truly need in the world today, not just in America, but in the world, is a free and open public square. Mm-hmm. And Musk happened to be the guy that said that. Yeah. And 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 it and for me that was like the tipping point that I I could say okay listen the guy is a little kooky, right? That's okay. I can take kooky. I can take different. I'm married to a lady that wears hillbilly garb and she's like the, the funnest dresser in the world, right? It's a beautiful lady, but she, she wears some of the craziest outfits. She my wife wears a tutu uh, once a week still and can pull it off. Right. So I understand the fact that people can be both different and actually be making a pure statement at the same time. And, and, 
that is what my, I think that is what Musk's true intention is here. Is he going to make money at Twitter? Oh, I'd be surprised if he doesn't. I'd be amazed no, if he I, didn't, if he took the company over. And I, I hope I, he I, does. I, I, I come to we, we, lost, we lost Andrew. Are you there, yeah. Andrew? Andrew, you're speaking in Gaelic again. We, we can't hear Andrew at all. Um, I was I was going to say that uh, I, I think just what I would caution is the right is propping him up as like a Robin Hood savior. Yeah. I honestly think he's going to lose money if he takes Twitter. He's going to but he's the only person on the planet that could absorb that kind of debt and just run with it. Uh, so, yeah. like I said, I'm interested in seeing how it goes, but I do know, I do remember when he left Trump's advisory committee because yeah. uh, because Trump left the Paris Climate Accord. I don't, th- you know, I think he's part of this climate change agenda where at the end of the day, it leads to starvation of people on a mass scale. Uh, so I'm just, I guess I just caution the right from making heroes out of billionaires that have other agendas that we don't understand. But I am interested to see what happens with Twitter because it's oh. it's the wild west out there and we're living in it right now. Yeah, and and listen, I think the last sentence that the last sentence that you said there is one of the absolute most important things for all of us to re- remember is that just because somebody has a billion dollars or just because somebody appears on a on a, a, a 50 foot wide screen in front of you in a movie theater or can score a touchdown when no one else could have pulled it off or whatever or can raise more money than anyone else doesn't make them somebody that we should listen to yeah i i mean i think you i think you really do have to watch watch that really careful and we've become this country that worships people um based on their celebrity or their fame or their wealth etc and that's a really really dangerous path maybe the most dangerous path we could pick but i mean that's kind of a different conversation and i think my comments in that regards what uh got uh, trent booted off facebook once before so maybe i'll just quit with that so (laughs) well i've got us an aunt just this sweet little lady that's banned from twitter forever too so (laughs) It's, it's, it's wild. Now, Jay, are you on Twitter? What's your handle? Yeah. At DC policy, DC policy. Okay. If folks want to follow you on Twitter, they can check you out there. Sure. Andrew, his, his handle is A R H Selk S E L K A R H S E L K is his handle. I'm Radke Amanda. If folks want to follow and, uh, and, and Trent, of course you can find him at, at Trent loose. Uh, so any closing words? We've got about 30 seconds before we wrap today, Jay. No, I just think, you know, I mean, I do think that a lot of people out in rural America probably don't honestly and deep in their heart don't believe that this all matters to them. Mm -hmm. But I would just repeat what I said before. Remember, every major decision that has occurred over the last um, few years has start that conversation started on Twitter. The reason the Ukraine-Russia war gets the coverage it does Twitter. The reason that Afghanistan uh, Taliban and uh, uh, Iranians uh, can can speak is also Twitter. There's a there's two sides to that sword, right? But if it's kind of like the rest of us, I happen to be a Christian and I believe that that's an important thing to say. But in the United States of America, you can't have one side without the other. 
Mm-hmm. Once you start canceling one, you eventually are canceling people on the other side as well. Um, so people need to actually engage in that conversation to make sure that we can always have it. I totally agree. And that will do it. We have journeyed down the road connecting urban and rural America. I'm Amanda Radke filling in for Trent Lewis here to remind you that all roads do lead to a rural route. Powered by certified Piedmontese. Details at LoneCreekKettleCo.com.